Players, you saw it. He hit cleanup in a World Series, and he just cleaned up. Wow. Pitch was up. The game is tied, and that's up onto the railroad track atop the wall and left. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I think a lot of folks in these parts remember when a 19-year-old Andrew Jones hit a home run in the World Series. That was way back in 1996. Doesn't seem that long ago. That audio was from last night. 20-year-old Washington National star Juan Soto became the second youngest ever to homer, homer in his World Series debut. Game two is tonight. Another great pitching matchup. Steven Strasburg against Justin Verlander. The Hall of Famer Verlander does not have a great World Series career record. Strasburg has been great in this postseason. Could the Nationals go to Houston and take the opening two games of this seven-game series as a big underdog? We will see here to discuss these things and more. He's gone from sports columnist and writer here in the great state of North Carolina to years ago, the Washington Post's sports columnist, Barry Sferluga. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Great, David. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I've, for as long as I've been alive, I've heard that our nation's capital is an NFL city, first, second, and third. Uh, how much has that changed with the Capitals winning a Stanley Cup and now the Nationals making their first ever appearance in the World Series in a city that uh, did win one, but it was 95 years ago when the Senators did it? Well, it's changed a lot. And um, the things that you cite there, the Capitals winning the Cup in 2018 and this run by the Nationals, um, both matter in that. Um, but, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the Redskins have contributed and contributed mightily to <laughs> their own downfall. I mean, they, they have, if you go back 25, 30 years, um, that's a pillar franchise in the NFL, yeah. a marquee franchise where people wanted to come, wanted to work. Over the last two decades under this ownership, it's been nothing but tarnish two playoff victories in those 20 seasons. Um, and that has created an opening for other sports and other teams. Um, the Capitals seized on it, on it first. Uh, but baseball is just inherently more popular than, than hockey is. And um, certainly in a, you know, we're not in Toronto and we're not in Chicago and we're not in Detroit. Um, and this, this team, um, you know, it's kind of young in its development, 15 years in town, um, but it's got a hold of the place right now. And, and that first World Series game in 86 years on, on Friday night, game three, is going to be quite a scene. Barry Sverluga joining us from the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter, at Barry Sverluga. I wonder how much of this next storyline I'm going to ask you about is even in play there versus afar. You've been around. You know that when you know my Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, it was like my generation, my son's generation, my dad's generation, my grandpa's generation, all grew up rooting for the Eagles. Most stayed and lived there in Philadelphia, and then they finally saw their dream come true. Washington is sort of by nature this nomadic type place where people come and go pretty quickly. Are Nationals fans like resentful of that bandwagon type reputation? Is is it even a deserved thing? Because I don't know if the demographics, you know, back up the idea that most Nationals fans have only kind of been Johnny come lately. Yeah, I don't think that that's true at all. I mean, I think that um you know, we're now, as I said, we're 15 seasons into um, the return of baseball to Washington. And, and the way I always describe Washington baseball history is 
you know, the best word is that it's complicated. Um, it, they had the sport for a long time. Uh, won the World Series, as you mentioned, in 24, went back in 25 and, and 33. But then between 1933 and the time the second version of the Senators left in 1971, they had five winning seasons in, you know, what amounts to a 40-year span. Um, the teams, teams left town because there, there wasn't the interest to sustain it, first to Minnesota, then to Texas, um, to become the, the Rangers. So a, a defining part of any Washingtonian baseball fandom, um, if you're of a certain age, is that you didn't have a team. So there's, uh, there's the return of baseball that brings kind of a warm feeling back to people who, who have lived here and have raised their families here. And now there are 12-year-old kids kind of right in the heart of their fandom growing growing up with the game that don't know that there wasn't baseball here and, and don't have the experience of having that hole in their sporting um, existence. Uh, there's an ardent core fan base for, for this team. It has been there and developed over time. They've now, you go back to 2012, uh, an eight-season span, they've been to the playoffs five times they have um, entered spring training in each of those seasons with expectations of of making the postseason and advancing in the postseason um it was important for the fan base to see them kind of finally push through and and now in a weird way they're kind of playing with house money because the astros are the favorites yeah. uh, the nats weren't supposed to be here and and that kind of also gives this postseason a, a different flavor for Washington. Well, that led me to my next question, as you often do. Uh, in Vegas, at least, the Nationals were the biggest World Series underdog in more than a decade. Uh, is that just for outsiders, or can the players, do they know about it? Do they talk about it? Uh, can they use it as a chip at all, even as we all know they have plenty of talent? They're just kind of underdogs in part because the Astros won 107 games in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is built on – those odds were built on two things. One, the Astros won 107 games and the Nats won 93. And, and two, honestly, Garrett Cole and, and um, Alex Bregman and, and the, the totality of the team that, that is the Astros. I, I thought when I saw those odds, I was surprised that it was kind of historically long odds for the Nats. It did not feel um, kind of viscerally like a, a, a lopsided matchup. Um, definitely would favor the Astros. That makes complete sense to me. Um, But uh, Tom Boswell, our unbelievably uh, gifted and historically rich columnist who has done so much great work on baseball over 50 years at the Post, went back and and looked. Um, Everybody has pointed to the Nationals being 19 and 31 on on May 23rd, 12 games under 500, um, and what they've done since that time. Headed into the World Series, the Nats, including the playoffs, had won 82 games since that day, and the Astros had won 81. Mm. So it's a lot more even than you think. And then if you now we're at a position where the Nats have beaten the unbeaten, beatable Cole, um, if you're going to try to beat Justin Verlander tonight, Steven Strasburg is a, a perfect opponent to try to do that with. Um, I'm not saying that the series completely tipped in the Nats' favor, but call Vegas this morning, I think the odds would be a lot different. Yeah, one quick number, and then we'll ask Barry one more question and get him out of here. In Justin Verlander's career with the Tigers and Astros, 
His five career World Series starts have resulted in an 0-4 record with a 5.67 ERA. Meanwhile, Steven Strasburg hasn't been around as long, but just this postseason, he's 3-0 with a 1.64 ERA. Uh, then again, I thought the Astros had the advantage last night, and we all know how that ended up. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of storylines. We on our show have talked about the, the starting pitching being amazing. We saw Juan Soto, the 20-year-old, being the star again last night. But I have to ask you about Trey Turner. He has a whole lot of fans in our statewide audience, given his roots at NC State. It seems like he is not as much of the shiny object right now as he was perhaps earlier in his tenure with the, the Nationals. But, you know, he's there night in and night out at shortstop. And, and uh, I hope you can elaborate on what he has brought to this team as they're now three games away from making history. Well, you know, it's funny. When you talk to executives around baseball um, or scouts, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's always interesting to me how quickly Turner's name comes up um, in conversation as somebody who's really important um, to what they, they do. He was hurt early in the season. A lot of that 19 and 31 start was built on injuries as well as underperformance. But he's a little bit of the engine. Um, he hasn't had a, a spectacular offensive postseason. He's a very, very, very steady shortstop now. I know there were people when he was coming out of NC State and, and when the Nationals made the absolute robbery of a, a trade with San Diego to, to get him here um, that wondered about whether his arm would, would hold up and, and whether he could play short in the long term. That's not a question at all. He can, he can play uh, shortstop at the major league level for, for 10 more years if he wants to. Certainly a threat on the bases. He, he singled to lead off last night, stole a base, and, and was stranded. Um, he's as good as Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto are in the 3-4 spot in that order. I feel like Turner is the guy at the top that, if he is hot, makes them really, really unmanageable and hard hard to pitch to because – He's so disruptive. He has power. He has speed. And then if he gets on base and those guys are coming up behind him, um, they're a very, very dangerous offensive club. So, so Trey Turner, is, I mean, in, in terms of overall national success, he's, he's right up there with, with the top guys he's led. Good stuff. Thanks for squeezing us in. Buckle up, young man, for whatever you have coming your way. I mean, tonight will be fun. But as you said, Friday in the nation's capital, holy cow. I was 12 when the Phillies finally broke through and won a World Series. And I thought that the town was going to burn to the ground. Uh, and I was there in person, so that made my eyes wide. Yours are much more wiser eyes at this point. Uh, but thanks for dropping by and, and enjoy the rest of the ride. Appreciate it, David. Thanks a lot. You got it. Barry Sferluga of the Washington Post on Twitter, at Barry Sferluga. Baseball fans, one quick note. Did you see this, Darren, as a baseball guru and the voice of USA Baseball? The Chicago Cubs, of course, have a managerial vacancy, as do my Philadelphia Phillies. David Ross, the latest plucked out of the broadcast booth, like Mac Brown to Carolina football, uh, Aaron Boone to the New York Yankees, right? David Ross of ESPN will be the new manager of the Cubs. There's, a, to me, an extra interesting layer to that because, I mean, Mac Brown's return to Chapel Hill has all sorts of sentimental angles, and, and obviously he did great things in the 1990s there. But when you're David Ross being not only pulled out of the broadcast booth, but as a relatively young man to the team you played for and helped win a World Series only three years ago, you are actually the new manager of a bunch of your former teammates. 
So that that's interesting. He succeeds Joe Madden as the manager. Madden was the guy I was hoping my Phillies would get. Uh, he took the L.A. Angels job instead. David Ross comes across to me. I mean, you always evaluate broadcasters as broadcasters. For some of these guys, general managers are evaluating broadcasters Wow, you know, that's so perceptive. Like that <laughs> that guy deserves an interview. I imagine you can see why and he helped your Red Sox win one yeah, as well, right? Yeah. Ross scores highly both in personability as a broadcaster and and being an analyst on some TV games for ESPN, but in his baseball acumen as well. It's been expected for a couple of years, pretty much since he retired that yeah. he was going to get into a managerial role somewhere. So it's a I, I think it's a fun hire. I, I love the added element of the idea that uh, it, this is the team that he played for three yeah. years ago to end his career, and he homered in a Game 7 in which the Cubs won the World Series in his final game. So uh, it's a fun hire, to say the least. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's going to be Chris Bryant's manager. Like, those dudes were tight and buddies, right? I mean, they're probably laughing about that right now. 1-800-849-2761. Michael Lee of The Athletic on the NBA a little bit later. He'll join us in hour number three. We welcome more of your calls on the other side. It's a GOAT day on the David Glenn Show. Nick Saban is in the headlines because of the USA Today database. He's making almost $9 million. Dabo has actually leapfrogged Nick Saban and now makes not, or made last year $9.3 million. We talked about free markets and what allows those coaches to make that kind of money more than ever at the college level and more than most NFL head coaches make nowadays, at least if you're up there in that Nick Saban-Dabo Sweeney territory. More goats on the way. <laughs> In the form of 42-year-old Tom Brady, he answered a question about his long-term future in New England while being interviewed on sports radio just this morning in Boston. More goats, Mike Krzyzewski of Duke, Michael Jordan of North Carolina. The latter is in the headlines for a variety of reasons after a national TV appearance asked him to revisit his all-time starting five in the NBA. Michael is also doing some really cool stuff in the community here in a state where he was not born, but he was raised in Wilmington. He did play for Dean Smith at Carolina in Chapel Hill, and he, of course, is nowadays based in Charlotte as the majority owner of your Charlotte Hornets, who take the court in regular season action tonight for the first time. The starting lineup is probably not one that you'll recognize a whole lot Kemba Walker is now a member with the, of the Boston Celtics, and there's not a lot of optimism surrounding Michael's Hornets this year. But we'll talk about what he's doing on the court and off the court and why he's in the headlines again. More goats with more of your calls. NBA, college football, World Series, NFL, Tom Brady included. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Michael Lee on the NBA later. Barry Sverluga on the World Series in the books. Your phone calls in between at 1-800-849-2761. We have free Canes tickets to give away a little bit later. It's a GOAT day on this hump day Wednesday afternoon across the great state of North Carolina. Nick Saban 
college football coaching goat in the headlines because he and Dabo Sweeney were the highest paid coaches in the USA Today database unveiled yesterday. That's a once a year thing they do every year and it's always interesting. They're around the nine million a year mark but other goats are in the headlines too. <laughs> Michael Jordan on and off the court in a sense. Tom Brady, the 42-year-old quarterback for the New England Patriots, is front and center as well. As I share the Brady update, including Tom in his own words from earlier today, I welcome your calls on the World Series college football, NFL, and NBA headlines, 1-800-849-2761. I think you all as sports fans can picture, probably some of the same people that I would picture, if you thought elite athlete unbelievable championship caliber performer but wearing only one uniform at the professional level most of these guys in most of these sports do wear a different one in college or certainly high school at some point but just in the pros tom brady if you close your eyes drivers please don't do that if you close your eyes it's hard to picture tom brady wearing any other uniform I mean, just for fun, think of him wearing the Panthers colors or the Dolphins colors, right? I mean, you just can't do it. Your, your, your brain starts to go haywire. Well, the history of sports includes many elite athletes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the greatest of all time, played for multiple teams. LeBron James has played for three different teams at this point. Gordie Howe, way back in hockey, played for multiple teams. Wayne Gretzky, the great one, played for multiple teams. But if you're like me... There is a sentiment. I understand why, especially in the world of free agency, people jump from job to job. I get it. But there's something sentimental and cool. I watched Mike Schmidt, perhaps the greatest third baseman of all time, only in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform. I grew up with Mike Schmidt when he was growing up as a minor league baseball player. And then I watched him all those years, and they won the World Series. And by the time he was hanging it up as a player, guess what? he was still wearing the Phillies uniform. There was no short detour at the end. It was Phillies at the beginning, Phillies at the end, Phillies in between. And in fact, as a broadcaster, guess which team's games he calls? The Philadelphia Phillies. It's only sentimental. And again, I don't blame athletes who seek whatever. Chase a title, chase more money, a better place for your family. I'm not looking down on anybody for making those sorts of decisions that are better for themselves. But whether you call it old school sentiment or something else, and maybe you feel similarly, there's something cool about the idea that Tom Brady's only worn the Patriots uniform. There's something cool about the idea that Wake Forest legend via the Virgin Islands, Tim Duncan, wore only the San Antonio Spurs uniform. Number one overall pick, worked out quite nicely for the Spurs, retired as a member of the San Antonio Spurs is revered there in that part of Texas. I lived in Miami for a little while. In fact, when I was at St. Thomas University in Miami, the Miami Dolphins training camp way back then was at my university. I could walk out my dorm room. I've told stories about shagging punts for the legendary Reggie Roby, who was on those same teams as Dan Marino. Dan Marino, one of the most prolific quarterbacks of all time. Why can't you picture him in another jersey at the pro level because he was only with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, maybe you're a Pitt Panthers fan and you remember him from college, but those of us who enjoy the NFL, Marino is only a member of the Dolphins. John Elway was only a member of the Broncos. Baseball fans, Mariano Rivera was only a member of the New York Yankees. 
Derek Jeter as an executive represents the Miami Marlins, but Derek Jeter as a professional baseball player, at least at the MLB level, only a New York Yankee. And you probably, Kobe Bryant, only drafted by the Hornets. Nice piece of trivia, win a bar bet. But wore only the Lakers uniform at the NBA level after coming out of high school in the Philadelphia area. Do you have any sentimental examples like this? I mean, I could go on forever. Bill Russell and Larry Bird wore only the Boston Celtics jerseys at two different eras. Chipper Jones, I think, is one of the most famous Braves examples. Reggie Miller wore only the Indiana Pacers uniform. Mario Lemieux, only the Penguins, right? Sid the Kid Crosby, only the Penguins for a more modern example. And that list goes on and on. Tom Brady, for now, fits that description. But why did he have to answer questions about his long-term future earlier today on Boston Area Sports Radio? Well, in part because ESPN's Adam Schefter, who's in the business of breaking news, and for my money does a pretty good job of it, in the midst of an otherwise not interesting Monday night football matchup where the Patriots annihilated the Jets 33 to nothing, and the Jets' young quarterback was seeing ghosts and we had that mic'd up controversy, Adam Schefter and the rest of the crew went all in on Tom Brady's longer-term future. He's 42 now. He's won six Super Bowls with Bill Belichick. They're one of the favorites to win again. That would make it seven for Kraft and Belichick and Brady together. All of that, of course, has happened with Brady only wearing that Patriots uniform after his time with the Michigan Wolverines. Well, Schefter, and cue this up, Darren Vaught, said this on Monday night, and then we'll give you Tom Brady, 42-year-old quarterback GOAT, in his own words from earlier today. Here's ESPN's Adam Schefter. When we talk about Tom and his future, let's look at some simple things. Has he put his home for sale? Yes. Has his trainer put his home for sale? Yes. Has he set up his contract to void after the season to become a free agent? Yes. So if he's selling his home and his trainer's selling his home and he's voiding his contract, what does that tell you? All right, Darren, sounds like he's just connected dots, right? And he did say later, Schefter, that he knows a lot of people, you and I probably do as well, they are anticipating a major change in their life. Maybe they do sell their house. Maybe they do get their finances in order. Maybe they do some soul searching. Sometimes, as Schefter said, when you get to the point of that change, it might be ending a marriage, changing a job, moving to another part of the country, Sometimes when you get to the edge of the abyss, most people I know are anti-change. Some don't mind it at all. I think they're more the exception. Sometimes you, you do all the prep, put your mar house on the market. Tom Brady is incredibly close to the trainer that Schefter referenced there, and they are kind of a package deal. That's not speculation. They just are. It's even caused some indigestion within the Patriots organization. So he has this as Bob Ryan New England sports writing legend described it. He didn't want to use the word frosty to describe the Brady-Belichick relationship. He actually found a hard time coming up with the right label, but far more businesslike. If Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, and Tom Brady, his star quarterback, when you describe that one, all parties seem to agree that it is very father-son-like. In fact, recently, Brady was really upset when someone said or implied that when he did a recent TV show and he happened to be in this TV show or whatever it was, walking out of a massage parlor that was in a strip mall. And the words that he used and where he used it 
some interpreted it as, oh, Bob Kraft was the Patriots owner who was busted going to that massage parlor that turned out to be offering, you know, happy endings in violation of Florida law and perhaps your morals and ethics. That Bob Kraft in those headlines seemed to be oddly juxtaposed next to Tom Brady in that TV appearance. So he was offended. He, of course, restated his love and affection and appreciation for Bob Kraft, and he elaborated on the nature of that father-son relationship. Well, you don't really hear Brady describe Belichick in the same ways. Always respect, always we've done this, coach credits quarterback, quarterback credits coach. But even through Bob Ryan's eyes, and he's front and center for all things Boston area sports, there's something different, even though Brady and Belichick have accomplished all that together and, again, might be on the cusp of Super Bowl number 7. Brady is 42. House is up for sale. I don't think Giselle gives the green light for that without some deep conversations. Trainer's house is up for sale, and Brady structured his contract so that it's voidable at the end of the season, meaning he can be a free agent at 42, maybe the Patriots, and they could be cold-blooded under Bill Belichick's leadership, maybe they're ready to turn the page, and they're not up for Tom's dream of playing through 45 years old. Who knows exactly where the tension comes from? But after Schefter got that, dom- that domino effect rolling on Monday night, you knew it would come back around to Tom Brady. Well, he does weekly appearances on sports radio up in the Boston area. Inevitably, it came up. And these were the words of the quarterback goat from a little bit earlier today. You know, for me, I'm just, it's been good because I'm just taking it day by day and I'm enjoying what I have. And I don't know what the future holds. And the great part is, you know, for me, football at this point is all borrowed time. I mean, I never expected to play 20 years and I'm playing on a great team. And, you know, it's just been a, incredible 20 years of my life and to play for Mr. Kraft and Jonathan, the Kraft family and for coach Belichick and to have so much success, a dream come true. So I don't, you know, one day I'll wake up and I feel like, okay, that's, that'll be enough. And when that day comes, that day comes. And I don't know if it'll be after this year, you know, I don't know if it'll be five years from now, but I don't have to determine those things right now either. So That's Tom Brady from earlier today, 42 years old, leading yet another undefeated Patriots team. As he said, no decision has to be made now. But interesting, isn't it, that we have to ponder the possibility of picturing Tom Brady in a different uniform. I still can't do it. And and obviously, this is not a phone call request. They're pouring in uh, on Twitter and by email. (laughs) Other great athletes who wore only one uniform – In the NFL, Jim Brown, only the Cleveland Browns. The old-timers pointed out Jerry West only wore the Lakers uniform. John Stockton and Carl Malone, for a while, you thought would both wear only the Utah Jazz uniform. As it ended up, Stockton fit that description. Remember, Carl Malone went shopping for a title very late, so he doesn't fit that description. Detroit fans will talk about, you know, Steve Iserman or Nicholas Lidstrom to the ends of the earth uh, in the Red Wings context as hockey fans. Barry Sanders, only the Detroit Lions uniform. Johnny Bench, when I grew up, was one of the top catchers retired at a time where teams or players didn't jump teams quite as often, uh, started and ended as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Do you know the Dan, Dan Fouts name? Philip Rivers, only the Chargers, right? 
since leaving NC State, only the Chargers. Dan Fouts was the only the Chargers from way back in the day. Uh, unbelievable quarterback, Eric Coriel and otherwise. You done with that category now, Darren? I know you guys don't want phone calls on it. We're not, <laughs> we're not asking for them. Yeah, yeah. But isn't it interesting? Can you picture Tom Brady wearing a different uniform? No, I can't. It's tough for me. So growing up, I was a big – I played wide receiver in my youngest stages of football before I phased out of that sport. So I was drawn to Jerry Rice. So I, I loved Jerry Rice and would kind of follow his career more intently than I followed others. And it was so weird to me to see him after his 49ers tenure yeah. end up in a Raiders uniform. And then there was a season he was a Seattle Seahawk, which was, I mean – very, very bizarre. I think that was Steve Young's point when he was talking in response to Adam Schefter on Monday night. He was like, well, I always dreamed about wearing only one uniform or going into a Hall of Fame, perhaps not having to make a decision what helmet or hat in baseball, you know, am I going to pick to represent me going into the Hall of Fame? When I was a kid, probably even when I was your age, there was, there was a lot more sentiment attached to what I grew up with. There was some free agency in the NBA. You know, Dr. J, I watched lead the Sixers to an NBA title. Moses Malone was another key player, the best player on that team. Neither was a, you know, born and bred member of the Philadelphia 76ers. They were both examples of late 70s or early 80s free agency. I didn't like that title any less because they were sort of, you know, hired guns. But there was something really cool about the Mike Schmidt Phillies example in 1980, where, you know, his shortstop, Larry Boa, was just the Phillies guy. And, you know, they added Pete Rose from the Reds, and they had other guys who were converts to the Philadelphia way, but there were enough homegrown dudes that, I don't know, are you still in sentiment land, or have you already turned the page? I'm trying to remember when, when I, st I think the floodgates of free agency, it went from the trickle to just the fully open faucet. Yeah, at some point, you just have to embrace it. Right? <laughs> I think so. And then the uh, more, as I got older and became a business owner and then an attorney, and I just saw, you know, the reality is that some people treat you well in business relationships and some people treat you poorly. And if you're stuck with an organization that treats you poorly or just is so incompetent it can't build anything around you, I can't be resentful. If you want to leave the way almost all of us under similar circumstances in a non-sports context, of course I'm going to leave. I have left companies if I thought they weren't giving us the best chance to win, to steal uh, you know, a sports phrase. Lawrence Taylor, formerly of UNC, only in a New York Giants uniform. Another example that came in earlier. Can you picture Troy Palomalo in anything but a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform? No. Right? That's a good one, too. <laughs> no. It, it would be a great middle of the summer. We'd get three straight hours of phone calls oh, on yeah. elite athletes who wore only one uniform at the pro level. Today is not that day. We have more GOAT material to get to. Nick Saban is in the books. Tom Brady is in the books. Michael Jordan is on the way. Speaking of on the way, Michael Lee will drop by in about 45 minutes. We'll talk more NBA. Last night, the Raptors got their championship rings from last year. The Clippers beat the Lakers in a head-to-head -head matchup between two of this season's preseason favorites. Kawhi Leonard and friends took out LeBron, Anthony Davis, and company 112-102. to 102. They did so, the Clippers, without the injured Paul George, the other part of that dynamic duo for that L.A. team. Uh, Danny Green, the former UNC star, had an awesome 
debut as a member of the Lakers in a losing cause. 1-800-849-2761. Your Hornets do open their regular season tonight against the Chicago Bulls. Year two of James Borrego. No more Kemba Walker. And I'm telling you, a lot of our fans are very knowledgeable across North Carolina, listeners to our show. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I would not be surprised if we could scientifically poll everyone listening to our show in a given week. How many would get right the majority of the starting lineup for the Charlotte Hornets tonight? I, you better be a, a Hornets diehard if you're going to get at least three out of five right. Because by the sounds of things, they so understand that this is an extreme rebuilding year that the five you think might be out there tonight to start against the Bulls, some of them might not be out there. And we know Kemba's not going to be out there. I'd get it right because I'm paid to follow this stuff for a living. I'm not sure more than a few percent of our statewide audience. And this is the state where the Hornets call home, remember. That's another bad sign for Michael Jordan as an owner. We'll jump into Michael Jordan and his national TV appearance a little bit earlier this week. That's why MJ, yet another goat, is in today's sports headlines. 1-800-849-2761. Michael Jordan in his own words. Michael Lee on the NBA and your calls on the NFL, the World Series, college football, and the association. You're welcome to join us with your question, comment, or complaint at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. World Series, NBA, NFL, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Nick Saban, other GOATs, the USA Today database, our annual reminder of $9 million college football coaches, Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban leading the way in that order this year. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in for your question, comment, or complaint. One thing I promised from yet another GOAT in the headlines, Michael Jordan recently appeared on the Today Show with Craig Melvin, he has in the past both given a lot of respect to other great basketball players. He has said, listen, people ask me for my starting five all the time. I am not disrespecting those who came before me. But if you ask me to pick my five, I'm picking five dudes that I played with or against enough that I know them so well that there's, they're the dudes I want to go to quote-unquote basketball war with. And he'll tell you, listen, Steph Curry's not done yet. LeBron's not done yet. Doesn't mean I don't respect those guys. His one most interesting omission, because they did overlap, Kobe Bryant, not in Michael Jordan's top five. But a lot of old-school guys not in his top five. Again, he says, he tries to every single time, I'm not disrespecting them. For those who forget... He's given slight variations of this over the years, but of course, Michael is in the starting five. You know, <laughs> that guy has never lacked confidence. So MJ, the greatest of all time in most people's minds and mine, is in the starting five as he should be. 
Now, he played with at the college level and then against at the pro level that James Worthy guy. He's on the NBA top 50 all-time list, so Worthy is his power forward, if you will, in Michael Jordan's personal all-time starting five. He gets closer to home. Who helped him win all six of those NBA championships? Scottie Pippen. Now, Scottie Pippen is probably not on your top 15 list of all-time NBA players, probably not on my top 15 list either. But he is the one guy who did the most next to Michael all six times. Six titles, and guys like Tony Kukoc were there for some of them, but not all of them. Rodman was there for some of them, but not all of them. Scottie Pippen was Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman for all six of those titles in the 1990s. So I'm assuming MJ puts himself at the two guard. Doesn't really matter with this lineup. Scottie Pippen would be the three. James Worthy would be the four. Magic Johnson gets the point guard nod. And Hakeem Olajuwon got the big man nod. Again, they were contemporaries of Michael. He went up against Magic and some great Lakers teams. Who won the NBA title during those years in between the Bulls three? Remember, Hakeem Olajuwon and the Rockets had their breakthrough in that time between the first three and the second three for Michael and the Bulls. I imagine if you're MJ and you go flying down the lane, like Olajuwon is one of the guys you'd rather not see protecting the rim. So there's bouquets toward opponents. There's bouquets toward a couple of his former teammates, college and pro. That's Michael's be-all, end-all, top five. And as he said, it hasn't changed at any point in the last decade. When he was asked about it by Craig Melvin on the Today Show, Here's among the things he said, including when former Davidson star Steph Curry came up in the conversation. If you could pick four guys for your pickup team, four guys that you play anybody else with, Hakeem Olajuwon, Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, and James Worthy. That was six years ago. That's happened in the league in six years. Would you keep the same four? In a heartbeat. When I'm going in the trenches, I play against and with all these guys. I'm going with who I know. Every single night, that responsibility to go out there and represent greatness. So Steph Curry shouldn't be offended when he watches this. I hope not. He's still a great player. Not a Hall of Famer yet, though. <laughs> He's not. One more thing about Michael. Has it hit your radar, Darren? All the way up here in the capital city of Raleigh. Sometimes Charlotte and Raleigh, while basically, what, two and a half hours away from each other by car, sometimes they can seem to be on different planets the way pigeons and covered wagons travel with the news, even here in 2019. Did it hit your radar what Michael did in the community there in Charlotte? Because I give the guy credit. After being most famous for his Republicans Buy Shoes too. He was asked to chime in years ago on a really racially divisive political contest here in North Carolina. And, of course, he's one of the most well-recognized figures, sports or otherwise, in the history of our state. And he chose not to. He claims to have never said the exact words, Republicans buy shoes, too. But as Nike's famous spokesperson, he didn't want to shoot himself in his financial foot by weighing in on something that divisive. Well, that's been his reputation, and to a large degree, deservedly so. He was tunnel vision about winning or competing for championships as a player. And he's another good example who did not wear, you know, Tom Brady, hard to picture him in a different uniform. Most of us couldn't picture MJ in a different uniform besides the Chicago Bulls. He did end up wearing, some of you block it out of your minds for all of eternity, but he did wear the Washington Wizards uniform late in his career. Did it hit your radar 
what he's done with the opening of those community centers in Charlotte? Yeah, I saw all that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. You're talking about, I don't want to say it means nothing when a famous rich person donates a million dollars to a cause because at some point money matters to them on a scale where maybe, you know, hell, I've lived through a dollar mattering to $10 mattering to a hundred mattering to a thousand mattering, you know, and then at some point that number rises. If you get really, really wealthy, you know, how much does a hundred grand hurt? At some point, how much does a million hurt? He's been more involved after hurricanes in this state where he was raised in Wilmington, Laney High School, where he did play collegiately in Chapel Hill for Dean Smith, and now where he's based in Charlotte. It is next-level stuff. The guys donated about $30 million just in the last three years, including to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. He wrote a check for hurricane relief in our state not long ago for a flat $3 million. And last week, he actually was worked up to tears because he was talking about his mom and dad and their memory as he opened health clinics in Charlotte. That's an investment of time. That's an investment of money. That's a contribution to uh, your fellow citizens in a way that's not a one-time thing or a shorter period thing like a hurricane relief can be that's forever if it's done the right way so shout out and a hat tip to michael jordan one more goat making an appearance today in his own words here on the david glenn show 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program we will talk with michael lee on more nba in about 40 minutes Tom Brady's future and the Panthers' trip to San Francisco are in the NFL headlines today. The Nationals are up 1-0 on the Houston Astros in the World Series, even as a steep underdog. And the college football headlines include Willie Taggart of Florida State on the the hot seat to such a degree that his own athletic director had to come out late yesterday and set the record straight, or at least try to. Meanwhile, we have rivalry games coming up, including Duke at Carolina. We'll be there with the big tailgate tour on Saturday afternoon. Hope to see you there on Franklin Street and then inside Keenan Stadium a little bit later Saturday. One guest later, your calls too. Glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, And the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. All right, in hour number three, we will talk more NBA with Michael Lee of The Athletic. We will talk more GOATs with Nick Saban, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, and Mike Krzyzewski all being in the headlines. And what if I told you that one of the biggest con artists in all of America just found out that his con was figured out and the roosters have come home to roost. That story with your calls. College football, NBA, baseball, and NFL. Next on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department. And I said, look at the political scene and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who we'll, we'll passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.